Welcome to Broken Office Chair, a new podcast produced by Alternatives, a Chicago-based nonprofit. Broken Office Chair is hosted by Alternatives' executive director, Bessie Alcantara. Bessie is a Chicago native and first-generation Salvadorian Mexican-American who's passionate about dismantling systemic racism. In each episode, Bessie will be joined by her friends and colleagues who are ready to talk frankly about the most important issues facing the nonprofit sector. A quick listener note, this episode contains language that may not be appropriate for younger listeners. For more information, check out the show's description. Welcome back for part two of Bessie's conversation with Ayoka Samuels. Ayoka is the vice president of Bitwise Industries. When this was recorded, she was the executive director of the Serve Illinois Commission. She has been a leader in the nonprofit and public sectors for over 25 years. Last week, Bessie and Ayoka talked about Eurocentric standards of professionalism in the workplace, what it means to be middle class, and power dynamics in the workplace. This week, their conversation will cover working through an equity-focused lens and what it means to be a role model as a woman of color in leadership. All right. Thank you again, Ayoka, for joining us. The conversation was so good. We had to do a part two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This I love talking to you. I love talking about this. And it's an honor to be able to share it with you. Thank you. Cool. Let's jump in. So one of the things that you brought up for me is that there was a report done a little while back, and I think I mentioned it to you before, where it talks about the burnout rate of women of color in particular in leadership positions. Yes. And one of the things that's brought up is the expectations of our staff who in social services, leadership tends to be white and our staff tends to be people of color and people from the community that we serve, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so there is this expectation placed on us from our staff, particularly our staff of color, that we're going to get it right. Mm. Because (laughs) you don't expect the white person to get it right, right? Like that, we already don't expect that. But you, as a Black woman, as a Latina, Mm. as whatever, you know this, so you should get it right. Mm. And how that comes into play. So you said a lot, right? (laughs) It is, now here's the thing. We are incredible and dynamic. A lot of things that we can do. A lot of different things we can do right. And exceed people's expectations in so many different areas. At the same time as we're doing stuff for our family, same time as we're doing stuff for our friends. The unfortunate part is, is that we are not allowed to make mistakes. And there's just all these expectations that we are... People are looking for us to, you know, to meet. And then when we don't, it's the end of the world. Or you get fired or, (laughs) you know, or it's in the newspaper or something like that. I had a young Latina tell me when I first became a program director, I'm usually in sweatpants if I can be. But she told me that I was disappointing her Mm. by showing up to work so unprofessional because she doesn't have any other Latina women to look up to. a lot. Right. And then I show up in this way and that comment like cuts to the core because everything else did not matter in that moment, except that I didn't show up the way she expected Mm -hmm. me to. We talked some about some of the pressure from white folks in these positions, but like our own. Oh yeah. (laughs) We have to be gentle to each other. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we are in leadership, then 
it makes it hard for those of us that are, and let me be clear, so-called leadership, for those people who are so-called not in leadership to be able to embrace us and lift us up and hold us up, right? So it's kind of like, that's a lot to expect for you to be all of that for that person. Even though once you are, you know, I know this woman was off, off the chain. She's bomb. But <laughs> you are all of that. But on some level, it's kind of unfair. I mean, you can't be all things to everybody. And you try, though, because you know it took that one person to do it for you or that several people to do it several for you, people. that community that builds you community. up. Yes. And so you have to be that part of the part of that community for somebody else. Right. And so it's this constant thing mm -hmm. that we're trying to do. But, it, but I, I want to just po point out something that you said. Mm -hmm. It's about the community. Mm -hmm. You we cannot be all things as one person, one little body for everybody. We that's part of the issue is that we don't work as a community. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't recognize that it's going to take all of us or more than just one to be able to do something. That's why the problem is in terms of, you know, I got this person is supposed to meet my expectations in this way. Well, how about you meet your own expectations and then look at the person that's standing in front of you and ask yourself, what can I learn from them? What can I glean from them? You know what I'm saying? And then that's where people miss it. They miss the boat. We have to move away from the individualistic line of thinking about what it means to be successful or anything in our lives. People of color have not made it this far in the history of being human by doing it alone. What would make us think that we're supposed to be individuals? It does not work for us. And here's the thing. It doesn't work for anybody. Right. It doesn't work for anybody. So we've got to come up out of that line of thinking. We've got to be a community. That's how it works. We all have our role. And so what do you think about the question around, like, what is our, as people in leadership, what is our responsibility to get other people to sit in these seats? That's a good question. So I think depending on where you are, as a leader, in terms of your understanding and level of consciousness, the answer might be different. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, but I think overall, how are you going to what you have now, whatever that is, how are you going to make it better when you're ready? Mm -hmm. So when we, in our mind, on day one, when we came in, come into whatever role we have, how am I going to leave it better than how I got it? And so then that may look different you know, based upon who you are, what your skills are and what your situation is. But I think if we all go in as leaders saying that, then we would have done our job in terms of, you know, like the other people that we are so-called leading. We talked a little bit about this. I'm trying to figure out how to frame it. There is this also this other thing happening right now where there is this super progressive movement, right? Mm -hmm. That is, I think... When I came into leadership, it was still a lot of like respecting your elders, mm -hmm. putting in your due, putting your time, yes. you know, doing the grunt work. <laughs> you mm -hmm. expect to put in those lo long hours to mm -hmm. be able to get that position. And now 
which by the way, I am totally on board with this work-life balance thing. <laughs> you know, I like to travel and like pay me what I'm worth. Like there, right. there, this workforce that's it, that's right. entering now has a completely different set of demands. Yes. And with that, there's a lot of pushing back on existing leadership to step mm. down mm. or be different. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's very amusing to me. I've experienced that more than 10 times. And you and I talked a little <laughs> bit about this, right? Yeah. Because it's like, we've been told to wait our turn for however mm -hmm. long. And you and we did. And now you're being told to leave. Uh -huh. Move out of the way for somebody who's going to do it better, right. right? Right. Yeah, I think that that is real to your, your, your term. That is just... That's so cute. In some instances, <laughs> Rebecca. and yeah, and and really, it's a beautiful thought. I don't care how old you are, if you are ready for the role, by all means, you should take it. Ninety percent of the time, folks are not ready for the role. You know, so whatever that role may be, oftentimes, mm -hmm. and then sometimes when people get in the role, this happens to me all the time. Like when I was at Gary Comer, I'd have people who worked with me. Ah, y'all gonna know what she's talking about. And oh, I'm gonna do it. I, that's okay. that's yeah. why I went into you know, leadership. Uh, right? She did, yeah, and she blah blah blah. I I do it better. Oh yeah, <laughs> do it better. And she don't understand nothing. And blah blah blah. So I'm gonna leave, and I'm gonna you know do this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, okay. And I'm I really wish you the best. And when you go to this, this will happen all the time. You go to this particular organization. Make sure you understand A, B, and C. Y'all know I ain't gonna know nothing. Then after the person will be in the role for like three months to a year, oh, Ayoka, can we have lunch? Oh my God, you were right about what you said, you know, or man, Ayoka, I thought that you were really a trip because you really worked us hard. And now that in the job that I'm in, I am more ready than any of these other people here. And I'm like, that's great. It's always been for you. Even though you didn't see it, you know, this experience is meant for you. But at any time, you want to take my job? Knock it out, baby. But, you know, it's just a very, it's a lack of understanding and appreciation for what a person has to go through to be in the position. And it's sometimes what you've done, because there's certain things that, you know, when you're in leadership that you just don't share with people, sometimes because it's not appropriate. And then more Often than not, you just actually don't have the time. Right. Right. So it's like, yeah, I'm just going to do this, and I, you know, and I need y'all to go with me. And sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. But I think it also rolls back to racism again in some instances because, you know, the younger folks, and they don't realize this, is that some of the same behaviors around questioning women of color in leadership positions, they do it. It's, they're not conscious of it. Right. You'll have the same situation with a white guy they would never do it right i've seen it over and over and over again i had my competence question when i got here of course mm -hmm. of Directly course by people of color oh yes mm -hmm. that again that's how racism works mm -hmm. because if you've got people of color that are questioning your competence then that means that the folks that are in power don't have to do it so much right I think there's another piece too that is ingrained in how we interact with one another and this this built-in competitiveness. Yes. There's room in here for all of for us everybody. to win. You got that right. And we you forget that, right. that because this perception right. of limited seats, right? right? And so how I see my responsibility in leadership is 
kind of like this is a chess game and I'm going to teach everybody every move I know. That's right. That's right. So you can I get to that. the next yep. slot that opens. That's right. Way, or take it. That's right. Take your, your mm-hmm. seat at the table, mm-hmm. right? Don't right. wait for it to be handed to you. Yeah. And so that for me, I'm like, I'm going to do my part to set up everybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate you saying that because that's like, Another thing that I think is important to your question in terms of, you know, what is our responsibility? We need to put people on. Right. Mm-hmm. That means we are supposed to help people <laughs> uh, with opportunities and introducing them to different opportunities that exist in other places and where they may not be aware or have access to. I appreciate that translation. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Every time. I mean, you know, for your listeners, like before we started this taping, I'm, I, you know, I say, did you hear about this job and this job? We need to put some people on it. We need to get some good people in there. You know, that's so important. And then for folks that, that worked with me, that I might be their supervisor or what have you at the job, if I see stuff for them, I say, you know, I would mm-hmm. love for you to be here, but this job right here, you got to apply. Right. I'm like, are you serious? Ayoko? I'm like, Yes. People be so hurt and offended that you don't want them there. That's not, 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 not what it is. That's that is not, that's not what it is. We want I mean, to see you do better. Yeah, I mean, if I don't want you in the space, it'll be very clear. This is not, <laughs> that's a different type of conversation. But, you know, we need good folks everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if your organization is stronger, then that means my organization is strong. You have another ally. That's right. Yeah. Because, you know, and in, in this particular case, when I was working at Gary Comer, it was all about positive development. So if there were other people who worked at Gary Comer, had the understanding of positive development, this, that, and the other thing, and they go someplace else, you know, that's another person on our team. It's about really improving all these organizations so that we can improve our community. You know what I'm saying? That is just so important. I mean, I'm on the South Side of Chicago. I will always do commercials for this organization here. That is like, to me, it's like I'm on the far south side. So like, you know, alternatives, we call it, are you going to the end of the universe? <laughs> yes, I am. Because we're so, we're so far. Yeah, apart. except for people who are up here already, right? But it's like, man, all right, see you later. You know, but I will always sing your praises, you know, because we need good organizations and we need good people everywhere because our folks are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And to your point, there are enough seats for us all. That has been one of the biggest tricks that has ever been played on us because that is something that's never said mm-hmm. about the white majority, that there's only so many seats for them. And so if it's only one seat for me, who is saying that? If we're, are we just saying it's just room for just one person of color? Is that what we're saying? Are we saying it's only room for one woman? How does how do we even get to that? You know, again, that's how racism works because no one actually has to vocalize that. But it's stuff that we know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so uncool. Mm-hmm. It's so uncool. You know, and then you enter where some people have concerns about the so-called model minority, which I hate that term, but I understand it in terms of our brothers and sisters that are Asian. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, look at how they are. You know, and they don't like that either. It's like, what? You know, like. Because I'm Chinese, I'm automatically supposed to be good in math. I have a friend who's Chinese who was like, everybody thought that I was good in math and I wasn't. You know, so that's the, that's the flip side of it, right? There's finally research on how that's harmful. It's very harmful. Mm-hmm. 
and it's uncool and it kind of pits people against each other you oppression know? olympics that's what yeah there's that too it's like, oh my goodness right as it was who can get to these things it's mm-hmm. i feel like it's interesting because i think that that's something that came out of the post george floyd era is that all of a sudden so i i will never understand what it was black people have been killed by the police forever, forever. and continue to be killed by the police mm-hmm. But there's something about this one man's death that brought it to the forefront. And, you know, people started paying attention to Black issues. But I also feel like it created this conversation about why not everybody else. And Mm. again, it's continuing to foster that competition so that it it hinders our ability to move forward. You would be correct. (laughs) I mean, we have to widen our global, our worldview. We are being oppressed and people of color having a hard time. And it looks different based upon, in some instances, you know, your, your culture or your ethnicity. But we are all getting a hard time. Mm-hmm. And so it's, to your point, you know, the oppression Olympics, we don't have time for that. We don't have space for that. We need to learn from each other. We need to learn about what your struggles are. We have to learn about, like, for for example, I'm not immigrant. Mm-hmm. I'm not, which is kind of funny because, you know, there's some folks that are just like, well, we're all immigrants. I'm like, excuse me, not this one. <laughs> Voluntary. <laughs> this has never happened, never happened. So I haven't been. And my husband's Dominican and he is an immigrant. Mm-hmm. And as we were working to, you know, just to try to be together in this country, all this stuff that we had to do and it opened up my eyes and it broadened my worldview, my understanding of what the issues are for people who are immigrants. Mm-hmm. Now, to do one better, immigrants that are Latino, Latina, Latinx, I don't want to offend nobody, <laughs> it's different than when we're talking about immigrants that might be from Europe or immigrants that are from Japan or immigrants that are from Australia. It's very different in terms of, like, just looking at those rules, I was like, wait a minute. So if you're from Australia and you want to be an immigrant, you want to immigrate to the United States, you don't have to do this, this, this. But if you come from the Caribbean or from Latin America, you got to do this, 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 or South America, you got to do this, this, this. That's very interesting to me. But a lot of people don't know that because people's ability to get into this country is also highly reliant on who you get as an officer for your case. Yeah, that and how they're feeling that day. Right. (laughs) Even if you look at the Latinx community specifically and nobody Mm -hmm. else, black Latinx people have lower rates of approval Mm. than white passing Latinx Latinx people. people. Okay, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Surprised though. Of course, right? And that's Mm -hmm. how much the anti-blackness permeates throughout everything. Everything. But I think that your point to expanding the worldview, it's one of the reasons we wanted to do these podcasts with different guests because everybody's bringing in a different Mm -hmm. perspective, right? Same issues, different perspective and all opinions and work that people are doing to help with these really complex issues that we're trying to... Yeah. Yeah. We just don't have time to be, well, you know, I got it worse than so-and-so and and this is, no, it's different and it's all bad. Well, that's one way to summarize. You know, it's, it, it, cause it is, it's all bad. It's also really (laughs) interesting because one of these recent reports brings up this 
thing about women of color in leadership positions, particularly executive directors, right? Who are taking over for white leaders. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we're charged with the racial equity work of an organization because we're thinking about this differently. Mm -hmm. There's no additional pay to have an equity lens (laughs) as a person of color. That's a good point, yeah. And what's different in how we do the work is that we're doing the work while also experiencing life. Mm as a person of color, right? right. So we don't get to go home and turn off all the way. We get to go to a grocery store and explain, experience something mm-hmm. or yeah. go to mm-hmm. a bar that mm-hmm. has primarily white people mm-hmm. in or whatever it is, but we still have to think about mm-hmm. this and the That's emotional right. charge of it. What do you think can actually, if anything, can be done to set up more supportive environments? Well, I think first and foremost, think about it. And think about those things that you can do that might be, that's totally attainable for you. But sometimes when we think about this kind of work in the workplace or what have you, you think about all of it and it can seem insurmountable, you know, in terms of being able to deal with it. So don't look at it that way. You got to bring it down into bite-sized portions, you know, and start off with what you think you can do and be reasonable with yourself and reasonable with your team and just do a little bit at a time. The thing that, what I'm about to say is connected to your question, (laughs) but the thing that is very problematic for people of color, and I'm gonna talk about black people right now, that breaks our heart is that people do not recognize us as human. And so when you are thinking about what you can do, to make your space more equitable. Remember that the people that are with you are human and treat them as such, but you can never go wrong. And not only, you know, and this is what we say in the black community, if we win, everybody wins. That is so true Mm -hmm. because, you know, if I treat you as human to make this a more equitable space, I'm gonna make sure that everybody has water. I'm gonna make sure it's clean water. Because that's an issue for people of color, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make sure that at the workplace, I have clean water for you. Sometimes I will cook for you. Sometimes it just, just trips my team out a lot of times. I'll be like, would you like to have some coffee? And they're like, you going to get it for me? Yeah. I'm going to give myself some too. Yeah, I like <laughs> coffee. So while I'm up, I'm going to get you some too. Or understanding people are human. You know, it seems like you are not feeling too good. Are you going to take some time off? And as as the leader, you know, it's like, you think I can take some time out? Yeah, and I'm kind of a little of a germaphobe, too, just to be honest. So I don't want your, like, cooties around. So I, like, kind of, like, make it, you know, jokey, whatever. But I really do mean and go home. Be human to people. Be human. Then also ask people, what would you like to see happen? That's, like, one of the best questions. You know, what would you like to see happen for you? And then talk to your team about racial and social justice. And sometimes don't talk to them. Have them have space to be able to do that themselves. You know, so that they can speak about it without knowing that, you know, because we're still a power dynamic. Right. So that you're able to do that. And then when there's times when you can be vulnerable and share with your team and share with your folks, do. I will never forget when... The verdict for Jason, Jason Van Dyke, yeah. the guy who shot Kwame McDonald. 
we were at work, the youth center. And I remember there was a person who's a white male had asked me, are we going to shut down the youth center? Because shut down downtown. Downtown was getting shut down. It was like the pandemic, yeah. right? Everybody was going home and all that. Because if the verdict turned out a certain way, then everybody thought that we were going to burn Chicago down, which I thought was kind of funny. But the question was asked of us on 71st and College Grove, do we want to shut this place down? Because if, if there's violence, that ensues. And I said, this place is a safe haven. And by the way, ain't nothing going to happen here. I can't guarantee, which is true. I cannot guarantee that, you know, something may not jump off downtown, which most likely would not have. But who knows? Well, 71st of Cottage Grove, what's happening here? We're a safe haven. We have demonstrated that we are here for the community. If anything, it'll be a place that's protected. So no, that said, I don't feel that if you feel unsafe being anywhere, I can't control your body. So if you feel as though you want to go home, I, I totally respect that. So it turns out that all the people of color stayed and all the white folks went home, except for one. That's interesting. Yeah. And it was interesting because one person came back. We had. Uh -huh. um, it was very interesting. Yeah. When the riots were happening, how, where our staff lived, we had people who are, who were not in neighborhoods that were being torn apart, who were predominantly white, actually deliver groceries and necessities to the employees that were in the areas that were having a harder time accessing the basic necessities, mm. things like that. And so it's kind of interesting how different people show up. How show up. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear what your folks, your staff members, your colleagues, how they felt about that. They volunteered. It was there. It came from them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the folks who were on the receiving end. Mm -hmm. That was, yeah, no, it was completely whoever needs something, flag it. So okay. A couple that's of people cool. needed okay. stuff. They flagged mm -hmm. it. Other people volunteered to take it to them. Okay. But I want to point out something really interesting. So I, I talked about building a supportive environment for women of color leadership. And you talked about how you take care of your staff, which is not lost on me. That's very typical of yeah. women of color. I didn't hear that part. Maybe the wanting to take care time of works, time works. I didn't hear the self Wanting part. to take care of everybody else. <laughs> I also want to highlight here because there is. I feel like a lot of this is responsibility on our boards as nonprofits. That's who we report out to, right? Uh -huh. Is our boards. Yes. And I promise I'm not sucking up to my board right now, <laughs> but I have three moments with, cause there's a reason I stayed here when I came uh -huh. over at, when I was reading this report of what it's like to be a woman of color, take, stepping into an organization that's been historically led by a white person. I saw myself through that entire report, mm. my mm. challenges, mm. my experiences. Mm. I was like, oh my God, they wrote this about me. Mm. And this job was so difficult that I hired somebody to help me do the planning for it. And what I said to her when she came on board was, you need to tell me if it's me, if I'm mm. just in over my head, mm. because it, ha I, it felt like it had to be my fault for things to be this bad, right? And I really thought about leaving, but there were three moments with my board that mm. kept me here. One was a black board member. Mm. Again, this is why diversity in your board also matters, right? Mm. He called me one afternoon and he said, 
as a board member, I don't want you to leave. But as a person, as a friend, you've been here less than six months. Now would be the time to do it. You need to do what's best for you. That was real professional, too, as a friend. (laughs) Like, wow, he really thought about that, yeah. But there was a yeah. moment where I was like, mm-hmm. he cares about me as a person, person. more so than anything yeah. that gave me a, a, a permission to vent and mm. just take it, all my feelings out. Mm-hmm. So that was one. The second one was with a Latino board member, and he was wanting to host a cultivation event. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my white development director from that moment was like, I need to know what you're going to talk about, like how you're going to prep your people to donate. And he goes... I'm just going to tell him she's a Latina. It's hard enough as it is. And like, you guys cut the check for her. <laughs> and he was like, I don't need to good say anything else. And so that was another mm. moment, right? That matters. And then mm-hmm. a third one was when my board chair was hearing a whole bunch of complaints from the staff mm. who, again, this was primarily really a white leadership. Yeah. When he was hearing, he goes, and I was concerned and talking to him about it. He's like, well, Bessie, racism. And he named it. He named what else could it be? (laughs) Right. He named it first, Uh and and Uh here is also a white male board member who has educated himself on the issues and was able to say it back to me when I was scared to like Mm. put it on the table. He did it it well. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are these moments in which I knew that my board supported me not just as Bessie, the executive director, but as Mm -hmm. Bessie as a person. That mm-hmm. is what kept me here. And it continues to keep me here because we continue to have difficult conversations, et cetera. And so that is part of what I want to make sure that we address today is like Absolutely. the responsibility of boards and philanthropy too, yes. to create welcoming environments for us. So I'm not trying to suck it up to my board either, <laughs> but they are all awesome. They Sometimes it's, it's hilarious because I'm like, did you guys like have a meeting and then decide that you're going to have an intervention on me? But they're fantastic. And they're also very different. And they all are incredibly supportive. And they all will call out the racism that they see that we all might be experiencing in the moment of something happening or the sexism. Also, there's a geography thing that happens in the state of Illinois. And it's like, well, that's happening because you're from Chicago. And I'm like, are you for real? And they're like, we're very for real about that, right? And so they are incredibly supportive. And it's a testament to who they are as individuals, but also a a testament to who they are as a team. They really get it and they carry through. So I really appreciate them. And I feel incredibly blessed that I'm in a space where that's what they are, you know? And so we have a diverse board of commissioners as well. They are awesome. And it's it's interesting because you said earlier about, you know, respecting your elders. And that is something that we should continue to do. Uh I think that that's, we don't want to lose that in our society. But some of my board members are elders. Uh And they are always dropping pearls of wisdom. Because I'm like, well, what about this? And Right? And they're like, yeah, don't worry about that. (laughs) what do you mean don't worry about it like yeah don't worry about it you can worry about it tomorrow but it's you we're sitting here having this conversation at 7 30 you know i'm gonna stop talking to you again we can pick (laughs) it up tomorrow so i'm like okay you know and then they're right and one of them said to me you know ayaka can't carry all the water yourself and it just resonates with me so i so appreciate them And in terms of diversity, diversity in terms of age is important too, because 
they have seen so many more yes. suns and moons than I have. Yes. So when you have somebody that's like, yeah, don't worry about that. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, I've been there, done that. That's not important. What's important is this OP, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that having that level of support, I'm very fortunate to have that. So for a person who might be a new ED or new CEO, you got to find those board members that are that are already existing. Somebody on that team wanted you, mm -hmm. you know, if you got hired. So find out who that is. They will probably self-identify very quickly. And then you start bringing on other board members that are going to support you and, you know, represent the people that you serve, represent your team and all of that. I think that's one of the, the top things that you can do and try to have someone on your board that has a background either in social work, psychology, psych something like that. Mm -hmm. Because I, I'm fortunate enough to have that. And one of, one of my board members is a former social worker and psychologist and everything. I cannot tell you how much, how helpful that has been, yeah. you know, in this time and space. I will also add, I always tell people, I say this about any job, vet who you're working for. So in this situation, yeah, it's right. your board, yeah. right? But I just gave one of my friends that advice, like mm -hmm. vet your boss, vet the mm -hmm. team, ask them these difficult questions. Mm -hmm. um, because I know one of my friends had a, a difficult situation at a place in which she worked for a white woman and I flagged her prior. And so this time when she was interviewing again, I'm like, you need to ask how they're prepared to support a black woman in this space, in a predominantly white space. So vet your board, ask the questions that are uncomfortable. My board heard all about my work-life balance priority, <laughs> you know? And if they hire you anyway, right? Then, you know they were open to that yeah. conversation. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. ask all those questions that we've been taught not to ask for fear of not getting right. the job. Know your, know your worth. Yeah. Somebody will hire you. Somebody, Somebody. And right. you need Absolutely. that fit to work. Right. And that's so important. Yeah. Okay. So wrapping up, do you have any closing thoughts that you want to share? Sure. I want to go back to the caring for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's important that you do that. It's important that black women, people of color, women of color, that we take that type of time. It's okay. If there's some nice things that you want for yourself. Mm -hmm. But just get it. And oftentimes, because we work in nonprofit, people think that somehow we took a vow of poverty. We did not. You know, I'm like, where did that come from? Right? We didn't. You know, museums are nonprofits. By the way, the director of the Art Institute of Chicago makes over close to, if not more, than a million dollars a year. So what are we talking about? Mm -hmm. In terms of, you know, how much we should get paid. But... In terms of, you know, taking care of you, being okay with the things that you like, indulging in those things. Be happy. But even more important than that, find joy. And joy comes from inside. So you can be joyful no matter what else is happening on some level. You know, find the positive wherever you can. And when people say that you need any help, and this is the thing, <laughs> all right, listen to this, baby. when they say, do you need any help? Say yes. I can't tell you how hard that is for me. I have to be intentional around saying, well, yeah, when people say they want to help me, I have to do it every day, today, you know, do you want me to hang up your coat? 
And initially I was like, oh, I could do it myself, you know, or I, don't worry, don't worry. And then I was like, what did it? No, yes, I would appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. And then when you need help, say it, put it out there. You know, I need help. And especially if you're in a position or role, and this is for all of us, you've been hired to do a particular job for an agency, a company, an organization, an, an entity. You're doing the job actually for them on some level, right? They hired you to do it. So ask for the tools and don't let up on the tools that you need in order to get your job done. And understand that if by chance you're not in a place where you can get that done and people start holding you accountable, you can say, well, I'll be happy to do it. If you give me the tools that I asked, you know, I will exceed your expectations. But until then, on some level, you kind of can't hold me accountable for that because I already told you what I need in order to do it. Now, sometimes you got to be in a position for a minute to be able to say stuff like that. But that's <laughs> you where get people fired. Yeah, I want you to get fired, folks. But at the same time, that's that's what you're going for. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, on the other side of the spectrum in terms of appreciating the folks that are in Gen Z and, you know, and beyond. What I do appreciate is that it's just like, well, why not me? Right. right? And I, I love that. That's what I said. I don't want y'all to wait. There's something know? to that. There is something to it. So we there's that you sure did. Yeah, then you know, Gen X just got played. That's just what happened. But <laughs> and some of the you know, millennials got a little played there. But it's like enjoy yourself. Take time to laugh. Take time to find joy. Do those little things that make you happy. Do those big things that will make you happy. Time in the way that we are experiencing it now, you don't have a whole lot of it. Mm -hmm. And God willing. You will have, you will be able to spend more of your time as an adult on this planet than you did as a young person, God willing. But no day is promised. So take advantage of all of it. I want people to just have this as their daily affirmations. <laughs> yeah. Do it every day. That's all right. And here's the thing sometimes I forget all the stuff I just sat here and said. So, I would say to your listeners and to all of us, when you see me not feeling joyful, when you see me, woe is me, when you see me struggling, help a sister out. And I will do the same. That's what we're supposed to do. Thank you, Ayoka, for You're joining welcome. today. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Always it's an a honor. great conversation. Always and likewise. Thank you. To keep up with everything going on at Alternatives or to donate, you can visit us at our website, alternativesyouth.org. You can also follow us at Alternatives Inc. on Instagram or at Alternatives Youth on Facebook. Broken Office Chair is hosted by Alternatives' Executive Director, Bessie Alcantara. It's produced and researched by me, Catherine Best, with special help from Monica George, Tyronica Boone, and Dave of Mixed Media. Stay tuned because next week, Bessie will be joined by Halesh Patel to chat about the problems within philanthropy, the nonprofit industrial complex, how we compensate leaders of color, and much more. Thanks for listening.